Welcome back to the T-Drift Film Buff Podcast. This will be episode 47. And, uh, you know, after last week, I'm like, let's just do this every week. You know, I don't know how much news there's going to be. I don't know how many reviews I'm really going to do at this point. Um, watching a lot of television, as we'll get to uh, later on. Um, but, you know what, there was a lot to talk about this week, especially uh, something we're going to get to in the later part of the show here. Uh, because there's just so much good material on a certain podcast that I listen to. But let's start off first. Uh, rest in peace to Lynn Shelton, uh, d- director. Uh, just absolutely devastating news. Director of Your Sister's Sister. And uh, recently, Little Fires Everywhere. But really, Lynn ha- has made her way around Hollywood for many, many years now. Um, I mean, just looking at her IMDb, I mean, directed so many episodes of so many different television shows. Um, Of course, you know, again, most recently, Little Fires Everywhere, I think she directed like half of that series or something like that. I guess she directed some of Dickinson, which I've heard is better than what it looked. It did not look good to me, but I I don't know. Uh, Many episodes of Glow, an episode of Morning Show... Uh, a couple of specials by her part uh, from her partner Mark Marin, comedy Netflix comedy specials I should say. Um, I mean, just so many good projects. Obviously, my favorite would be Your Sister's Sister. I just absolutely adore that film um, with Emily Blunt, Mark Duplass, and Rosemary DeWitt. Just a, a special type of chemistry and, uh, and tone that that film emits, and, and it really uh, Lynn will of course be missed. I was actually listening to Mark Marin's. Uh, podcast from today uh, in which he kind of he replays the the interview he had with Lynn Shelton from four or five years ago and and just kind of breaks down you know the last couple of days for him as he's gone through the tremendous loss of of his girlfriend Lynn Shelton uh, and him being there while kind of everything went down it was it was tough to listen to uh, but Mark Maron's my guy I I gotta listen to everything he does He's, he's so good um, and I, I just had, I had to hear what he had to say and, and, and kind of the breakdown of everything because it, it is truly, truly devastating. She will certainly be missed in Hollywood. Uh, so rest in peace to Lynn Shelton. And uh, there's no real easy transition from there. Um, but let's get into some news here. Apparently, and I don't think any of this has really been confirmed, and, and not even so much from the big trades like Variety and Hollywood Reporter. But apparently Bo-Katan and Boba Fett will be in Mandalorian Season 2. Of course, they've both been played by different actors in the past. Uh, apparently Tamara Morrison, who played Jango Fett in the uh, prequel films, will be playing Boba Fett, and Bo-Katan will be reprised. Uh, is that even the right term? Will The role will be reprised by Katie Sackhoff. Uh, big fan of Katie Sackhoff and other things, as well as her many appearances on the Schmoes No Movie Show and all of her, I should say, all the relating related shows uh, that she's done with Harloff over the, the years. Uh, I don't watch Clone Wars, so I can't even tell you who that character is or Rebels, all the shows that she's been on, the anime. I, I can't tell you. Uh, and honestly, I don't really care. Uh, that these characters are added. It is, of course, news because there's really not much else to talk about in terms of Star Wars right now. I don't think films are 
going to be coming out for three, four years probably. They're going to do more seasons of Mandalorian. I'm sure they're going to get out that uh, Obi-Wan series eventually and, and the casting Andor series. But uh, as of now, it looks like this is pretty much it. Um, I, you know, I'm intrigued, and I would like to see Katie Sackhoff appear in the show because she's a good actress. I just don't care that it's Bo-Katan. I don't really care that Boba Fett's coming back because I kind of liked how The Mandalorian was completely separate. Um, not completely, but mostly separate from the main saga of films. But what are you going to do? Uh, Robert Pattinson, Bobby Bats himself, says he's not going to be working out for The Batman. I think he was, I think those comments were a little bit taken out of context. Um, he. I guess was giving an interview with GQ, I think it was, and and he was saying something about how, you know, he's he hates the precedent that other actors have said about you know bulking up for roles and blah 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 blah, and it's like, dude, you know, sometimes it might just be best to not say things at all, just have no comment to certain questions. I just think I don't think he fully understands yet how much people freak out, especially in the fanboy realm of things i mean i you know what as long as the movie's good i don't need him to look as big as ben affleck i don't need him to even really look as big as christian bale or michael keaton in the role as long as they make it seem like he can win every fight he's in because that's basically what it is with batman you believe that he can win every fight even though you know he's human you know he's not that strong um cinema has been working its magic for decades if not hundreds of years with, with this type of thing I, I don't care that he's not going to be bulk it just comes down to the movie being good as if if his performance is good it's all that matters to me so but he really should probably keep his mouth shut uh in other news emily blunt and the rock are reteaming for a superhero film in which they i guess their characters can only use their powers while they're together as a couple uh, it's being called Ball and Chain, and it's going to be picked up by Netflix. I would assume, you know, they're probably, I mean, The Rock has got many other projects he's going to film before this. I think it's like two or three others that are in line. So I bet you this doesn't even go into production until early 2021, probably to be released summer of 2022. That's my guess, especially because they already have their film Jungle Cruise, which will finally, fingers crossed, be released the summer of 2021 after two different release dates and two years of pushing back um yeah the coronavirus is doing its damage for sure uh but the exciting thing about this story is that it's being adapted from a 90s comic book by emily v gordon aka the big sick writer not just the writer she was literally the subject of the film along with kamal Nanjani, her husband uh, so that's very exciting. I thought her writing was great in The Big Sick. And I'm trying to think, has she done other things since The Big Sick? She was nominated for an Oscar, but has she written anything since? Let's quickly do an IMDb check here. Do, 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 do. Okay, so she was, that's right. I remember, I've seen an episode of Little America and she was, uh, she was one of the writers, I guess, the creator of that show. So that is exciting. That was also a good show. The first episode I watched was good. Uh, and I guess she was a writer on Crashing as well, the HBO series. 
with Pete Holmes, not to be confused with the Phoebe Waller-Bridge crashing series. Uh, anyway, exciting stuff there. And uh, this, Justin, I, I was just looking at Twitter right before hopping on here, and apparently the Snyder Cut does, in fact, exist. Um, I get. I mean, I saw a couple of reporters, you know, talking about how we should all tune in to um, to Zack Snyder's watch along that he's going to do for Man of Steel on Wednesday on his Vero account or whatever. And they were all basically saying like, "Yep, it's uh, it's going to happen. It's going to be announced. Snyder Cut exists, and it's going to be released at some point." That's what they're saying. You know, who knows? Hopefully, in a couple days' time. We know definitively one way or another because I'm absolutely tired of thinking about this. I don't care at all. But of course, if it comes out, I will check it out. Um, yeah, I mean, let's see. Let's move on to let's move on to the Last Dance. So this this documentary series, the last two episodes aired last night, uh, both excellent. I think the show overall just recaptured everybody's love for sports in a time where we don't have any. Uh, and it just, you know, it's more so than anything, I think it just hit home how much Jordan cared about the game and how much he cared about winning and what he would do to, at all costs, to win. Not that we didn't really already know that. And, you know, a lot of these things, certainly rehashing subjects and parts of the, the story, the Jordan story that we already knew, um, but I, I found all the behind-the-scenes footage so captivating. Uh, I love the music of this series. I think Jason Aaron did a phenomenal job just putting together all this footage, editing, putting music in there, um, and, and getting the, the right questions out and kind of putting to bed some certain theories or certain stories that were either false or, or just kind of exaggerated over the years. I just absolutely loved The Last Dance. Um, let's see here before we go into that. Yeah, I mean, I, I always put down here like tenant watch, right? I'm, I'm taking this from uh, my guy, Jeff Snyder, which, you know, he does on his podcast, The Snyder Cut. Of course, it's maybe the same as the Justice League Cut. Anyway, uh, that, you know, he does this little tenant watch thing. Like, where's tenant at right now? Will it be released? What's the latest? Same thing as last week. I thought that there might be some news between last week's episode and this week. Nope. It's not to be, uh, apparently not to be reported because absolutely nothing come out so far. And I, I, I don't know. They don't have much more time. There is no, but a single commercial or trailer that I have seen since that first trailer was released. And, you know, even if you are the only film in theaters if nobody knows that this film is even out in theaters, nobody's going to, the normal casual audience is not going to go see it. They need certain ads and posters and trailers to be released to be like, oh, what, what's that movie? Yeah, the, the normal person in the world doesn't know who Christopher Nolan is. Uh, and they don't, they definitely don't know who all these actors are in the movie. The only name really is Robert Pattinson. So, <sighs> I don't know. I keep thinking that there's going to be news of, of a certain release date push coming, but I don't know. I don't know. It's been two months into quarantine, uh, and now we're only two months away from release, and, and they got to start marketing this thing within 60 to 90 days out. So if it's happening, it's going to happen soon. 
or they're just going to push it. I got to believe by June 1st. So maybe not by next week's episode, but by the following week's episode, there's going to be something. There's ha- there has to be something that that would signal whether they're going to release it or not. I don't know. I'm so, I'm so I'm so baffled by this whole situation. I just don't know what to think. It's unprecedented to begin with anyway. So anyway, that's Tenant Watch for the week. Uh, so Mission Impossible 7 and 8. I I mean, besides Tenet and Space Jam 2 and The Batman, Mission Impossible 7 and 8, honestly, maybe even higher on my anticipated list than, than any of those movies. I, I have grown to love this series so much over the last four or five years. Uh, and of course, I've been entertained by them in the past. Uh, but really, since Rogue Nation, and then of course Fallout, like I mean, my love for the series has, has gone off the roof. So, uh, but the only reason we're talking about it now is because there was a lot of big news, and the news comes from the source himself, Christopher McQuarrie, who hopped on. Actually, no, he doesn't hop on any podcasts really, because hop on would. Uh, would make you think that it was a five to ten minute segment. Whenever he goes on a podcast, it's two to three hours. Uh, so it was about a two and a half, two hours and forty minute podcast or so uh, with the Light the Fuse guys. Um, so first things first, congrats to those guys, Charles Hood and Drew Taylor, on hundred episodes. This was the hundredth episode. They didn't know the week before if they were going to get anybody big on the on the uh, the episode. And of course, they had Christopher McQuarrie, Simon Pegg, Haley Atwell, Lauren Balf. Uh, it was just, it was a great, great two hours and 40 minutes. I almost wanted to sit down and just listen to it again because there's so much great material in there. And I can listen to Chris McQuarrie talk about anything for three, four hours in a row and I would never get tired. The guy is so intelligent and his his viewpoints on Mission, the film series, are fantastic. But I just love his viewpoints on, on cinema and, and the film world in general. I just think he just has so much insight into things. So, so as I said, you had Macquarie, Peg, Haley, Atwell, Lauren Balf. So, first things first. I know this is a big shocker, but they don't have scripts yet for these movies. Wow, could not believe that. You know why? Because they haven't had scripts for the last two movies. And even going back to, to Ghost Protocol, Macquarie came in weeks into production and reshifted and reshaped everything for the third act of that movie so and and honestly that might have completely saved the series because i think they were really trying to go in the route of making runner the the lead in the mission films and i just don't at this point i don't believe there's a mission film without tom cruise uh that's just me so uh yeah they don't have they don't have a script yet uh, McHugh confirmed that Lauren Balfe is returning, which is incredibly exciting because as much as I love every single uh, score so far, even the Hans Zimmer score for Mission 2, and you know Zimmer is one of my favorite, probably my favorite composer. What am I talking about? Probably. He is my favorite composer. That Mission score is definitely not the best uh, score for the Mission films. It's, it's out there. It's weird. Um, I think 
I think Warren Balfe's score for Mission Impossible Fallout is 100% the best mission score. So that was really exciting to hear that he will be back. And I'm assuming that McHugh's going to ask him to switch it up, do something completely different. They talked about that a little bit, but they were pretty mum. I mean, things are going to be... I mean, this movie isn't coming out now for another year and a half, so they're not going to be... They're not going to be really working on the score intensively for another six to eight months um, until there's really some film to put a score to. Uh, I'm really just really hoping they, they're able to restart filming in June like they're hoping, but I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Um, he also confirmed, this is McHugh, uh, that Rebecca Ferguson, Ving Rhames, and Vanessa Kirby are also all coming back. I think we knew Vanessa Kirby was coming back. She had mentioned that in an interview. Um, but it's still exciting. That character really grew on me. The first time I saw Fallout, I wasn't sure how I felt about her character and her arc and her kind of involvement in the whole film. It, it felt it felt unfinished. Uh, and maybe that's the point because she's coming back. Uh, Ving Rhames is always a must. You, you gotta have Ving. He's the only one outside of Tom to be in every single mission film. Uh, so it's not a shocker, but thankfully he is going to be in it. But Rebecca Ferguson was the one that, it, it, you know, we've known about Mission 7 and 8 for over a year now. Honestly, almost a year and a half that was confirmed that McHugh was coming back. And she was the only one that was never fully confirmed that she was coming back. And honestly, she is my favorite character in the entire Mission series. I, I absolutely love her arc, and it's such a different... It's a different character for that series and that's kind of going to be talked about even more when we get the Haley's character because there's something interesting McQ said there um but that was I mean I when I was listening to the podcast I give a big fist pump in the air when when he said that Rebecca was coming back I cannot wait so getting into Haley Atwell there's so so much good stuff here uh both from McHugh and Atwell but basically they kind of started the discussion with her character, um, with the fact that Haley Atwell, I guess, auditioned for McHugh a couple of different times, and one being uh, Jack Reacher, and she obviously lost uh, that role out to. Um, uh, I never Amy Dunn. I always forget her real name, uh, but Amy Dunn, of course. Jeez. Uh, the mind is drawn a blank today. Uh, Rosamund Pike, of course. Rosamund Pike. I just always think of her as Amy Dunn. Um, but but she lost out to, to, to Rosamund Pike. Um, but then she, I think she said she had just for another one or two more McHugh films. So that would, I honestly think she might have auditioned for Ilsa in Mission Impossible. So that makes it even more interesting because if that's the case, how weird is that that she's now going to be a different character in Mission and she's going to be acting opposite of Rebecca, uh, who, you know, if you believe kind of what they were insinuating, that, that Haley lost out to her uh, um, her role in that. So that, that would be, uh, that's very interesting. Uh, let's see here. So many, so many good things. I'm honestly just, I don't even know where to start. I wrote down so many notes while I was listening to this podcast. Uh Okay, so this is me cue on Haley Atwell's character. He said, 
she comes from a different world and you're seeing the movie through her perspective so that's a very interesting kind of starting point that was like the first even clue as to who she would be that McHugh gave I didn't really know what to make of that but this is where this is where things got crazy when he goes the core team encounters this destructive force of nature in the form of Haley. I'm sorry, what? Is she going to be the big bad? I mean, is that what you're saying, McHugh? Uh, and Charles and Drew kind of tried to get it out of McHugh. And then, of course, I think he, inside, I think he realized that he probably shouldn't have said something like that. But maybe he was trying to stir a little buzz. Because it certainly got my blood pumping. I mean, that, that sounds fantastic. The first thing I think of when I hear... They encounter a destructive force of nature. It feels like Thanos. Like the Avengers just encounter this its unstoppable destructive force. Like that feels like this character is going to be, I mean, wreaking some havoc in this film. Like just going nuts. And again, I don't know what that even means. Um, but we'll get into more of that in a second. Haley went on to say there's you know, some ambigu ambiguity when asked about if she was the villain. Uh, but she said there's a completely full journey here from the first movie to the second movie, which you know it seems to be that she will be in both movies. McHugh uh, also said they didn't want her to be a repeat of any character that came before, and there's a specific moment for her character so weird and out there they knew it had to be in the movie. Basically, he was talking about how Tom pitches these ideas to McHugh all the time for certain scenes and that's kind of the way they go about making these films is that they have certain ideas and they try to work it into a story um, instead of trying to go from a story first because they, they just they have so many great ideas they work so well together I think they just they like pitching certain things to each other instead of just trying to work it all out at once because you know I can imagine uh, they were talking about having a zoom session with Tom I just I can imagine what that that Zoom session would be like how excited Tom would probably be the entire time and how much he'd be like, oh, well, that sounds good. Well, let's do this. Let's do this. Uh, it, God, I would love to be a fly on a wall. Uh, McHugh also said, or I'm, no, this is actually Haley, I believe, who mentioned this. And I don't know if she was supposed to say this, but, you know, she was going through weapons training, mixed martial arts, and race car driving for Haley's character. So, of course, that does sound like par for the course, right? But that, to me, does not mean this is going to be Angela Bassett, like, like she was in Fallout, which Angela Bassett in Fallout was fantastic. But Haley's not going to be, you know, uh, just a higher up in the CIA or the IMF that's just kind of there to uh, tell crews and the crew where to go. And, oh, she, it's not going to be Simon Pegg in Mission Impossible 3 where he's just behind a computer the whole time. She's going to be out there in fights, in, in car chases, you know, holding guns everywhere. Like this, she is going to be a legit character. And there's no doubt in my mind she's going to be an antagonist. It just has to, has to. There's not really room for her to be a protagonist. Um, and I think Shay Wiggum, who was also announced last fall, I believe, or early 2020, that I think he's going to be with her in some sort of way, teaming up as, as big bads. Um, but we shall see. Um, uh, he also, McHugh also mentioned that they had Haley watch Thomas Crown Affair as one of the kind of inspirations for the tone of the character, not necessarily uh, story beats or anything that's specific to the plot. 
um, but but with Thomas Crown Affair, that that's uh, that's just a, a source for inspiration. Uh, you know, Drew and Charles also asked McHugh about the apostles returning. He kind of he played it coy. He said maybe he only and like a good storyteller, he said if the story calls for it, possibly, but. Uh, he kind of saw that story beat as it seemed finished, and I can agree. Uh, although I did, I, I definitely wanted to see more uh, of Sean Harris as Solomon Lane, but it does kind of feel like that book was closed. So, oh well. But I, I'm I'm totally open for new and interesting story beats to to kind of take over. So. Of course, they had to ask because they're always obsessed with these questions with the entire Mission Impossible series. But they asked, you know, what Haley thought about the Tom Cruise hair look for this movie, if it would be any different than, you know, the previous movies. Like, what would he have short hair? Would he have long hair? Because they used to kind of do uh, opposite every movie. You know, one would be short, two is long, three would be short, four would be long, five would be short. And they went back to short and six. So, five and six he had short hair well i mean five he had like long ish uh you know it, it was like medium uh but i guess they're saying like it depends on his physique and his proportions i don't know McHugh had all sorts of reasons behind it but anyway um <laughs> hey yeah also talked about how she thought how handsome tom was and how she can't even handle it sometimes when they're in zoom meetings it was a funny moment kind of awkward to listen to she's definitely stumbling on her words a little bit but it, it was funny and it felt very honest it felt very real uh, so i appreciated that for sure um he also mentioned that eddie hamilton will return as editor which to me is big because i love the way mission impossible fallout was edited uh and and i think you know when something is good why stop broken don't fix it so that is pretty much it as of now for the Mission Impossible podcast. I would highly suggest listening to that uh, episode they did. Just a lot of great insight in it overall if you're interested at all in the series. Uh, last but not least, I mean, what am I watching right now? I got plenty of stuff I'm like on my queue. Uh, I got to watch I, the second episode of I Know This Much Is True. That first episode was like devastatingly dark. Uh, but very interesting. Uh, I got to catch up on Run. The last, uh, what is it? Second to last episode, the penultimate episode aired last night. Phoebe Waller-Bridge just came into the the episode before that, so I'm excited to see her again. Hopefully in this episode, uh, the Last Dance, of course, wrapped up last night. Uh, just a great series overall. Killing Eve. I'm an episode behind there. Not a huge fan of the season to be honest, but. It just kind of feels like the same thing happens every week, and nothing, nothing new is bringing me back. I'm just not excited for every episode, so I don't know. Friends from College, midway through season two there, the Disney Gallery Mandalorian show I find very interesting every Friday when they release one of those. Of course, The Leftovers. I finished season two on... Saturday night, I believe it was. Uh, I mean, talk about a show that is that is just so damn fascinating. I never wanted to end, which is why I'm like delaying watching every episode in season three because I, I just cannot 
I don't want it to be over. I want to keep watching the show. I want to keep watching these characters for years and years and years. But I know it's, I know it ends because I know they haven't done a season four, and I don't think they're going to do season four. I don't know how it ends, but I can I can imagine they probably don't leave it up to interpretation. That's my guess. Uh, will I ever get back to those Quibi shows? I mean, Most Dangerous Game and Survive and the other shows I've heard great things about. Um, I don't know. I've watched like four or five of each of those. They're good. They just weren't great. So maybe, maybe I'll get back. I don't know. Um, Defending Jacob. What a great series that's been. I think there's three episodes left. No, two episodes left of that one. I think we just finished episode six on Friday or Saturday. Uh, so that I, I'm absolutely loving that show. Um, Chris Evans just is such a different role for him. Michelle Dockery is a revelation in that film or that show for me. Uh, I haven't really seen her in much else, so that was it's really been really nice to see her there. Uh, and of course, as always, I'm rewatching Game of Thrones. What else would I be doing when I have an hour or two? Of course, I'm giving it another rewatch. I think this is my tenth watch all the way through. It's including the times I've watched director commentaries. I, I will never get tired of this show. So that is it. That's the show. Uh, until next week, have a Defending Jacob filled week. I don't know. Watch one of these shows. Get to it. <laughs>